0: Father, you've come to see a glorious church established upon the earth. You're realigning, recentering, reordering us, building us from the inside out. That we are a church that would love like you, a church that would love people as you love them, a church, Father, that loves one another and would lay down its life for one another, a church that covers all sin because of love sees the best, believes the best, hopes the best, endures all to finish the race well. Father, tonight I pray you'd open the eyes of our hearts that we would know the hope of your calling, the eternal purpose for the church that defines the way we live here on earth. Father, you have built us and created us for an eternal purpose because we are spending our eternity with you. And I pray you would open the eyes of our mind our ears to hear, and see, comprehend the magnitude to which we have been chosen before the foundation of the earth. I pray tonight, Father, we would grasp the magnitude of what we've been invited to and who we've been invited to love and know and the role and the purpose of your people here on the earth. I thank you that you have men and women cheering us on, praying for us, praising you, seeing us, watching us, hearing us. And, Father, as we pray tonight, I know that you hear our hearts when we pray in alignment to your will. And so, Holy Spirit, we again surrender to the building work of the Father. Holy Spirit, we position ourselves humbly but with confidence before you tonight as we learn about you and how you led and how we can apply that into every area of our lives. Lord, I pray that we would receive fresh manna tonight from heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's, hey, guys, there's more seats and tables over this side, so if you want to move in, there's heaps of space for everybody. And it's
1: not working. Diamond. Hey? Diamond. yeah yeah it's not working
0: Okay All right guys, I know we love to talk, but it's time to listen. <laughs> and then we'll talk later. But um, hey without I was going to say without opening your manual, so close your eyes. A month ago we discussed three practices that are essential to leadership in any environment. And the question for this side of the table is, name one of them. One of the practices Danny Langstrat, close your folder. One of the practices that we discussed a month ago, one key to essential leadership is Be nice, OK. <laughs> Keith Harrison. Leading by example, modeling the way. Thank you, Keith. You saved this part of the room. <laughs> okay, in the middle group sort of here. What was the second key? Challenge the process. Good man, Hey, eh? Big ups, mate. Well done. And on this side, so this is the hard part because now you've got one to choose from. <laughs> what was the third one? We've got modeling the way, challenging the process, inspire a shared purpose. Awesome. Very cool. That's very cool. All right, what I want to do before I kick off is um, I'm going to ask if I can, Amanda, can you just share what you got out of last
1: Well, first of all, my husband's not um, on the same page or in the same book as me. And I went home and I was really bubbling. And I have to say it was really neat to go home and just be like going, wow, that was so amazing and blah, 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 um, because he's quite anti-church. And so it was just really special for me just to feel so inspired. Um, I started my own design business uh, just under a year ago. And what I was most challenged by was the why. (laughs) And I'm still really cogitating on that because um, it undergirds everything you do. Uh, so that really hit me hard. I was like, I've been praying a lot about it and writing a lot of things down. And um, and also I've had some real opportunities to um, exhibit integrity in the last month, of a uh, few months. I've had people come to me and, you know, want to jump ship from another designer and just stuff like that. And it's a real opportunity to, you, could, you know, you make easy money, I suppose. Um, but at the end of the day, you're giving up most important thing, which is your integrity and, and his chance to shine through you and um, with, with your colleagues you know, in the design industry and with clients. So I, I just find it's all so relevant to me and it just gives me such an opportunity to start out in such an infant stage in my business and really get it set in the right place so that it builds on a healthy foundation and then can be, a, you know, give glory to him. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Okay, well, um, if you weren't here last time, um, we have these booklets and we're filling in sort of blank spaces. Um, So just track along and and the reason for that, it just helps being able to remember and think about what is being said, but also just as a resource uh, that you can go back to uh, over and over and over again in every area, because as we've been talking about, what we're going to teach on will help in relationships with people. It'll help if you're uh, the coach of a sports team. It's going to help if you're a a business owner, maybe a CEO. Uh, Whatever environment you find yourself in, this will help uh, because it's the culture of him. And the kingdom of God is to be built and established within us to be released through us. And because the kingdom of God is in you, wherever you go, you take the kingdom with you. And then the kingdom is released through you. Hence, it's... Vital that Jesus is building his church, his kingdom within us, so then actually we have something of substance to release into the earth. That makes sense? So the glory of God is spread throughout the earth through the vehicle called the church, his chosen ones, his ambassadors. So when you go, you represent him well, whether that's in a marriage, whether that's being a father or a mother, whether that's being a friend, uh, whether that's being in a sports team, Uh, things like that, when integrity is required. Oh, I could make some money on there, but actually it might be better to model Christ's likeness and maybe I get the job anyway. Now, I remember working for NZ Safety and I got uh, this email came through. It was a fax in those days. It wasn't an email. And um, it was actually from um, a company Uh, in Levin and they did under the ground work and this was a a gear for BA gear, breathing apparatus gear for guys that go under the ground and something like $25,000 worth of an order Um, and it came through but I didn't quote on it so I did no work at all and I'm like these guys are seeing an order through to me with my name on it but I did none of the work so I rang the client and I said look you've you've Um, sent me through an order here, but uh, we have this gear, but I know nothing of it. I didn't quote it. He said, I'm sure your company did I said, look, I've done the homework. We didn't. I think it was our opposition. Now, you have to understand this gear is not something that people just buy off the shelf. This is training. There's a lot of work because it's dangerous to go under the ground where there are gases where you can die. So there's a lot of work that goes into before the product. The product's like the end thing. And uh, so I went back and I said to the customer, look, we did not – we did not quote for the scare, it was our opposition. To which they said, We'll put a quote in. So which I did, I did genuinely there's not a lot of margin in the stuff, and we were five dollars cheaper. And they said, You got the order. And it's funny how when you're not carrying things or holding things too tightly, things have a way of coming back to you when you do it God's way. And that's in everything, isn't it? But if we try and if we try Like I said on Sunday, if we're not in rest, if we haven't rested from our trying to manipulate change and make it all happen, because we aren't in rest, and so we have to try and give God a hand. He doesn't need a hand. He's more than capable. And so that's cool, Amanda. I want to thank you for sharing that. I know I put you on the spot. Um, But I did hear some cool things that were going around, so I thought I want to nick that testimony. And so in your notes are the third... Uh, Practice, not principle, sorry, the fourth. The fourth practice is enable others to act. So a leader will enable other people to act. Once again, it's not dependent on position or title or where, in fact, you might work, don't work, lead. But leaders enable others to act. So, just underneath point number four, one of the most productive and supportive things, one of the most productive and supportive things leaders can do is create a learning climate. Jesus was constantly doing this. He was taking things that happen and creating learning opportunities. He was constantly asking questions. I not about you, but people want to know the answers to questions, don't they? But you know as a leader, it's better to not answer the question And to ask a question so the person finds the answer for themselves. That's actually the most powerful. Self revelation is the most powerful form of learning. But people want you to answer the questions because it's easy. But no real learning takes place. That's why God doesn't just zap us. You know, He'll zap you sometimes, but a lot of time He's going to work with you to work through issues in your life because He wants you to learn. You see, there's no maturity formed if he just zaps you off all your issues. If he takes that away, that away, that away, that away, you don't learn anything. You're not mature. You're the same person. So he's a loving father and he wants us to learn. He wants us to grow. Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. So I'm going to give you rest, but then I want you to learn from me. So one of the greatest things to enable others to act is create a learning environment. Well, that's a bit risky. And sometimes it's easy just to give an answer, isn't it? And sometimes just giving an answer is right. But if that's all you do is always give answers, then the person's not going to be learning. So there's no maturing going on, and God is trying to mature his church. In business, we don't want just people that do. We want people, we want to raise up leaders. We want people that think for themselves. We want people of initiative. We want people to take ownership of things. So part of enabling others to act is creating a supportive learning climate and environment where it's okay to get it wrong. And that's what we're doing here. It's okay to get it wrong. But we need to learn at the same time. So as I've said before, I don't believe there's any failure in Christ. It's just a learning opportunity to grow, to get back up. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but... I haven't heard of anyone in this church trying to burn people and torch people from heaven. If we have, let me know. <laughs> that person's in some need of desired, desperate discipleship. And so we're doing okay. But Jesus, he rebuked them, but he didn't cast them away, did he? When Peter denies him, he's love. Even when Judas betrays him, he's love. And so love covers a multitude of. Of mess ups. But it's not a mess up, it's an opportunity to grow. I love what Joe said when she preached, and she said, You know, speaking isn't a performance. I'm not here to perform because you're my family. I'm just here to share with you what he's put on my heart. There's such a freedom in that, knowing that that's the case, and also receiving that and being in that position that, you know, Paul said, I'm not a man about persuasive words, but I am a man of knowledge. I'm not like all the eminent apostles who are slick. And they've got their communication down and they've got their PowerPoints and it sounds amazing. He says, I'm not not a man of that, but what I am is I'm a man of power and I'm a man of knowledge and I am a man of mature words. So we have to create an environment. Leaders create environments of learning and the opportunities to make mistakes and leaders walk with their people and tidy up after them, helping them understand. Because God gives us this thing called authority. It can get a bit messy here. Oh, I think I heard from the Lord and the Lord said this. What if it wasn't him? And what if the person receives that as the word of the Lord and goes and implies that it doesn't happen? But that's all part of the dynamics that we're involved in, isn't it? And so when you release people, it comes with risk. Following Jesus is dangerous. But if Jesus modeled a learning and climate, learning climate as leaders, then we must. We must be prepared to learn and create these environments. Does that make sense? The people will just so quickly just want the answers. Give me the answer. No. Who do the people say I am? Who do you say I am? Oh, you're so annoying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's always asking questions, speaking in these things called parables that don't make sense. And he's constantly repeating himself. Why does he repeat himself? Did I not realize that I heard it the first time? So we go back to the question again. All right? So underneath that, there is no such thing as failure in Christ, but learning and growing opportunities. There's no such thing as failure in Christ but learning and growing opportunities. I can remember um, when Anthony, you know, had a chat when I was coming on staff and um, <laughs> this is hilarious, it was embarrassing but it was hilarious and, um, you know, he said to me, right, Sunday night we're going to get you to share for 10 minutes and just share why you're coming on staff and X, Y, Z and I was like, oh yeah, sweet ass you know. And I'd been leading the music and I'd done heaps of presentations, business presentations, sales pitches. I was pretty comfortable in front of people. And I thought, I'll just wing it. Be all good, I'll just wing it on the night. I'm used to speaking, no problem. And so we did the music and stuff and then sat down and then, you know, they brought me up and they said, right, Greg's going to come and share and blank. (laughs) Like, I mean nothing. And there's, you know, all these people looking at you. The spotlights are on. You feel the perspiration sweat. And I've got, I'm listening, I mean, this is foreign aid. Eh? Greg doesn't speak. I got nothing. And I'm like, uh, yeah, um, um, yeah. Uh, ooh, uh, and I must have spoke for about a minute, and then I sang a song to cover myself. <laughs> what do you do? Do what you know how to do. Sing. And Anthony came up to me afterwards, later during the week, and he said, you didn't prepare, did you? I said, no. Nah. I said, I just thought I'd wing it. He said, you always need to prepare. doesn't matter if it's a notice. Prepare, because in the moment when everything's on and you think, yeah, yeah, it's easy, and the heat goes on, people are looking at... <coughs> so I learned then to prepare. To prepare to and my preparation has changed. My learning has changed over the time, but it was a learning experience and uh, one I'm grateful for. Now I'm trying to learn not to swap too much, but anyway, (laughs) that's something else. So uh, just under that, leaders ask this power question. Leaders ask this power question. What can be learned from this experience? In enabling other people to act, we must learn as we go. It's critical to know what we've done well, maybe areas that we need to grow in. So what can be learned from the experience? One of the things that we do every Tuesday is we debrief Sunday. So we, we, we talk as a team around what went well, what things didn't go so well, what was happening in the service, what was the feel did we hit, the right song in the right moment, meaning did we hear his voice and go the right way or did we actually play a wrong song? Now, once again, not a wrong song, but it was he wanted to go there, but we're trying to discern. So we're constantly asking the question around, did we sense that what the Spirit was saying and doing, we did, you know? And it's a powerful thing to self-evaluate in enabling others and yourself to act. Learning is vital, isn't it, to anything. And we can't be afraid to learn. Sometimes we're actually afraid. Sometimes we are so afraid that we can't receive feedback. But I need feedback. You need feedback because it enables me and you to act. And once again, it's not about right or wrong. It's about growing. And so it's a powerful question to ask what can be learned or learnt from the experience that we had. A question all leaders must ask themselves is this. Am I a servant leader or a self-serving leader? Am I a servant leader or a self-serving leader? You'll know the answer to this by how much you think about yourself or other people. When we lead, are we leading for our own gain or are we leading for the gain of other people? Are we serving the needs of others or getting our own need met first? It's very easy to look like you're serving the people but be serving yourself because you need something to function, to feel complete. You can serve yourself with God's gift. You realize that? You can actually serve yourself and say, but I'm serving God. But you're not. You're just serving your need because you have a need to activate this gift that's been given. And so if you get asked to serve in a certain way, you respond, no, no, this is how I serve. Let me tell you the lane I run in. This is how it functions. This is how it operates. And this is the only way I know That's serving self. So what type of leader what type of leader do you want to be become what type of leader are you are you a self-serving leader or are you a selfless leader Jesus was a selfless leader he did not consider himself equal with his father but he what made himself nothing and in doing so became someone the bible says that those who humble themselves god will exalt and this is massive in enabling others to act because if you're about yourself, guess what you won't do? Enable others around you to act. What if they outshine me? What if they do it better than me? I might lose my position. Good. You probably shouldn't have it if you. that's the heart posture. Maybe that's what God's trying to do. Why? To punish you? No, to bring you into life. That you would be a humble serving person who's free to serve the Father as the Father desires because your identity and your purpose is not attached to your function. Sounds like Christ. Great leaders use their power, just underneath, great leaders use their power in the service of others. Giving their power away instead of hoarding it for themselves. Great leaders use their power, their influence in the service of others, giving their power or influence away instead of hoarding it for themselves. In the body of Christ, and I believe this applies to every area, but in the body of Christ especially, if you're not holding everything lightly, especially a position or a title, you probably shouldn't have it because you will hold it too tight. And what you will fail to do is bring others into and raise up others because you'll be in fear like I said before, of what happens to me. But when your identity and your purpose isn't in what you do but in Christ, you trust and know that God will align all things. And so it's hard because you're so scared. So let's, my situation, if I am in fear of losing my position, and the whole thing is about enabling other people to act, then I won't raise up other people to take my position. I'll keep people about here where I can manage them. But I certainly won't be raising them to go beyond me because I don't know what's for me. And if my income is dependent on my position, then you better believe I'm keeping everyone squashed. But... When I don't hold it lightly and my identity and purpose is Christ, then I enable others to act, and my job or my purpose is to raise up as many people to go beyond me, as many people that have an apostolic call, a prophetic call, a teacher, an evangelist, just every gift to raise up a church that you can then go, God, you're amazing and watch other people success. I was blown away when Cena got up on Sunday I was brought to tears to see someone who I know have walked with and just watched just step into and there's a preacher in there I want to enable her to act and so as John said he must increase and I must decrease now the context for that is his ministry that John, the Bat- Jesus must go beyond now. So I was here for a particular time. I've been here to prepare the way. So my ministry now has come to an end. It must be less, and Jesus' ministry must increase. But if John's identity is not in Christ, then he's wrestling with Christ because this is the end of my ministry. No, it's not. It's the reward of it. So go, Christ, go. Go, other people, go. So you become the greatest fan. You become the one cheering others on. You pray for, believe for, hope for. You're not fighting with one another. Oh, I've got to protect my patch. See, that, guys, is an orphan. Orphans protect what they have because they don't think tomorrow's coming. The Bible says it's a slave in a not a good way. We're called to be slaves to Christ. This is slaves to the flesh. And so let's be people that give our power away. Give your influence away. There's a grace on our lives to be given away, not to hold. It's the same thing with everything you have. You're a resource to be given away. That's why it's so vital that we eat the word, because you can't give away what you don't have. And because you don't have, you hold on to what you do have, but you're supposed to give it away. See how it works? So as he flows in and builds himself within, he comes through, you become a conduit of abundance just coming in through you because you can. And then you release him, this abundance. And I've said this before, but we are not to insulate ourselves with what God has given the church. We are to influence the world with it and one another. We've been given him to influence, not to insulate, and to hide away somewhere. Why? Because we want to enable the church to act, to come into and live in who we really are. And it's what we prayed this morning at the prayer, was that, Vera had a word, then God spoke. I just clearly saw it was like people entering into who they are. So it's like you're, it's like, you know, size 12 shoes and you're a size seven and you fill out the shoe. It's like how God sees you. This is how I see you. So step into how I see you and fill out who you already are. Come to the realization of who you are rather than who you're not because you look at your reality and go, I'm not there yet. You are. (laughs) Kingdom has come. There's a time. It's now. See, it's written you are. So the challenge is actually to believe who you already are in him, not who you tell yourself you are. And that's the gap, because in that gap is where the fear is. In that gap is where the insecurity is. Yeah? So we've got to grasp this with ten hands. <laughs> okay, turn over. Luke ten nineteen. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, And nothing will injure you. So God, Jesus, was giving his authority away. But he wasn't just saying, see you later, boys. He was going to walk with them. So when you give your authority away, when you release what's upon you, whatever environment it is, don't just go, see ya. You walk with the person. So you make sure that they do things well. You become the parent the father or the mother that walks with the child so the child comes into the fullness of what is for them, which then enables them to act in the way that God would have us act wherever you are. Does that make sense? So often it's just like, there you go. <laughs> See yep, <ya." laughs> Sink or swim. Anyone been dropped in there? It's like, great, there you go, thanks very much, there you go, just nightmare, bye. How well do you think that person's going to do? Is that good leadership? Is that responsible leadership? Oh, well, they never figured it out. Next one, please. That's terrible, isn't it? Anyway, let's move on. Leaders must learn to delegate the responsibility of of achieving the task or function to others and trust in these people to accomplish the task or function. Leaders must learn to delegate the responsibility of achieving, achieving the task or function to others and trust in these people to accomplish the task or function, how many people here like to be micromanaged? Anybody? How many people like people looking over your shoulder? Oh yeah, no, just do it that, do it that. Oh yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, that's good. How many people micromanage? How many people? How many people release a task and then's like, right, let me tell you how to do it. So you've just taken away the enabling to act, haven't you? But how do you know that releasing is scary, isn't it? Oh, what if it goes wrong? That's why you don't just set people off on their own. You walk with them at a distance that they know that they can turn around and chat and you're also asking questions. I'm going to read you uh, out of a book I'm reading at the moment which is awesome it calls leaders delegate the quantity of work leaders can accomplish is in direct proportion to their ability to delegate work to others leaders who refuse to delegate limit their productivity to the amount of work that can that can accomplish themselves that they can accomplish themselves when leaders delegate the magnitude of production they can achieve is unlimited when leaders refuse to delegate they limit the productivity of their organization to the level of their own physical stamina, creativity, and intelligence. One of the most famous biblical examples of delegation, or rather the lack thereof, occurred in the ministry of Moses. Moses was a national leader. His stature among his people was unparalleled. Everyone knew Moses had spoken face-to-face with God. Whenever there was a dispute, people naturally wanted Moses to settle the issue the result long lines of people waiting their turn with the famous leader from morning until night Moses dealt with issues that others could easily have processed for him it was not until the intervention of his father-in-law jethro that moses delegated much of this responsibility to others after delegating moses moses only handled the most difficult cases and allowed others to decide the routine issues not only was moses's administrative load greatly relieved, but the people received service in a much more prompt and efficient manner. Moses' mistake was assuming that because he could do something, he should do something. Leaders need to ask themselves continually, is this something someone else could do? Leaders take delight not only in how much they are accomplishing, but also in how much those around them are getting done. There are certain things that leaders cannot delegate. Leaders have the responsibility to hear from God and to guide their organization into his will. The onus is on the leader to see that people are equipped to accomplish their tasks. Therefore, they must delegate everything they can so they have time to focus on these crucial responsibilities. Listen to this. The reasons leaders fail to delegate are legion, many. Some leaders are perfectionists who assume no one can do the task as well as they can. <laughs> others are task-orientated and would rather complete the job themselves than take time to equip others to do it. Still others are uncomfortable asking people to do things. They find doing the job themselves less once onerous than delegating it. Then there are leaders who are so disorganised that by the time they realise an assignment needs to be completed, it's too late to enlist someone to do it. (laughs) Whatever the reason, we've both laughed at the professional one and and not having the time to do it. Is that a common thread there? Whatever the reason for their reluctance to delegate, leaders must understand that mastering the art of delegation is preeminent among leadership skills. It is one of the wisest uses of a leader's time. Part of my own transition from the story of what you know we've been unpacking for me personally was God giving me five things that he wants me to focus on. And he said this, I want you to pray more. I want you to share what I'm showing you. I want you to model it. I want you to invite people with you on the journey. Then I want you to hear and obey. That is the leadership strategy for you. Everything else needs to be outworked. You see, what happens as a leader, sometimes when you do less and people's expectation is you should be doing more, there's a tension that exists between the expectation God has and the expectation the people have. And if you're not free from people, you'll succumb to the expectation of people. So you're not serving the people. Did you hear that? If you're not free from people, you can't serve people because you'll give people what they want, not what they need. And everybody screams, I want, I want, I want, but what they really need is what they need. And sometimes we don't really like what we need, we need what we want. And so there's this expectation of are you after the favor of God or the favor of man on your life? And sometimes when you live that out, you're not too popular with man. But you have to know who you are in Christ and your identity and your person must be in Christ to be able to live that out. Otherwise, you're scrambling because you need the the affection or the encouragement of people, and so you actually bow and you won't do the thing that God's asking you to do. You'll do the thing the people ask you to do. So no one wins. And that's in marriage, with children, in any area of life. If you bow down, then you're going to reap the fruit of bowing down. Nobody wins. My children need authority in their lives. They need guidelines. They need boundaries. They need rules, if you want to call it that. They need dad to be dad. What they don't need is dad to be their friend at the moment, if you can hear what I'm saying. They need dad to be dad and mum to be mum, not their buddies, which is what I'm seeing happen in this nation. Everything's being lowered. Authority's being lowered, so we're all on the same, man. We're mates. My daughter's 11. I'm not her mate. I'm her father. And as a father, I will love her, and yes, we will have fun and all that, but she needs to know that the buck stops for her own protection. Kids need to know where the buck stops. They need to know where the boundaries are because they're not mature enough. Well, is the church any different? You and I need to know where the boundaries are. We need to know God's will. We need to know his purpose. We need people that will preach and teach to us actually what is his purpose, what is his way, not people that will tell us what we want to hear, tickle our ears, because otherwise they won't like me and they won't follow me. Well, who cares? (laughs) Because I'm not here for that. I'm here to honour the Father and then love unconditionally and maybe be killed for doing that? Are you prepared to die for him? Are you prepared as a husband to say things to your wife that may get your head chopped off? And wives, are you prepared to say things to your husbands that may get your head chopped off? Why do you think God put us together? Brilliant plan to form oneness, wasn't it? To put two people who are so opposite but similar together to produce oneness in the Spirit. Isn't that what Genesis 2 teaches us as to the purpose of marriage, not kids? The two become one. And he sits back and he watches and he has a giggle. (laughs) I wonder if Simnor's going to do that. Oh, yeah, he did. Oh, here it comes. And I wonder if Danielle's going to do that. Oh, yep, she did. She pushed that button, and here it comes. (laughs) I wonder if one of them is going to live this life out. We can all relate, can't we? How did I get there? (laughs) It's from reading that book. That's right, delegation. That was good, though. eh? (gasps) He surprised me. Leaders must learn to delegate. That one. Oh, sorry, my my one. Um, But okay, but this was me. Okay, this this is you need to hear. This is the father. He told me you can't just go adopt Greg's process because this is what he said to me to do. Okay, so it was pray more. Meet me more. Get on your face more. You see, people expect you sometimes be running around, visiting there, visiting there, doing this, doing that. He said, no, 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 pray more. You get more done on your knees than you do running around. Cost less money as well. <laughs> coffees and lunches and coffees and lunches and petrol. Pray some. So prayer, Model. Model what I've put in you. Step out and model it. Be the demonstration to the measure you're in me. Okay. Speak. Speak it, what I'm showing you. Speaking can get you killed. It got Jesus killed, didn't it? Jesus was not killed for doing signs and wonders. He was killed for speaking the truth. Okay, so speak it. Ask, invite people to walk with you. Do you want to come on this journey of getting to know him more? What's that going to look like? Maybe leaving some things behind. What things? Things that aren't of him anyway. Oh, I don't know. Okay, well, I want to go. Do you want to come? So the invite's always there. Now, you can't walk with everybody, but he told me who the people to walk with and Talk with, dialogue, pray with. And the last thing is hear and obey. All those things are one position. Ultimately, they come back to one position. Do what I ask you to do it, when I ask you to do it, in my timing, how I ask you to do it. It's not as easy as just give it a go, Jack. Okay, So that was what he said. This is your new leadership strategy. So that's what I've been doing for eight years. I share it with other leaders and they laugh. What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? I said, no, he's told me that's what his role is. He said, I build my church, not you. You just get on doing what I've asked you to do and I'll take care of the rest. Greg, I don't need a hand in building my own church. You're not the builder of my people. I am. You are a support network at best. You're like a grunt. You're a good son who want to raise up, but son, don't get in my way and do not get ahead of me. Tuck right into my shoulder for we are co-heirs with you and me. And know the functioning position that's worked. So yes, you're beside me, but know that I am the head. Does this look like a marriage? It's all... Oh, no, I'll get distracted if I go there now. That is good though. Man, stay on track. Delegation. Okay. Uh, there is wise delegation and unwise delegation okay like you said you 've got to know what you 're delegating and what you 're not delegating that 's critical you delegate the wrong thing it 's not wisdom you 're a very unwise leader person may not even be graced to handle what you want to give them they may not have the ability to do it. And all you'll do is squash them and create frustration and disillusionment. That's why you've got to run in your lane. You can't all be prophets. I'm sorry, but you can't. You can all prophesy, but you can't all be prophets. You can't all be evangelists. You can't all be the arm. Some of us are the little toe. And it's good to be a little toe. It's not bad to be a little toe. The Bible says they are to get more honor than the arm because they are less seen. And because God knows our human flesh, he says edify the little toes so the little toes don't feel left out because they will if they're living from flesh. There's nothing wrong with who you are and the gift on your life. Please step into it so we can all receive. So you, if you delegate someone a task and they don't have the gift or the grace, I'm talking in spiritual context now, you are. it's a suicide mission. For we need wisdom, we need to be able to see and hear. Well, it's the same, isn't it? If I try and get my daughters to do a task that they're going to f- completely fail, I will destroy them. So there's delegation and there's delegation. So here are the six steps of wise delegation. Number one. It's all their importance. Has the importance of the task or function been explained to the person? So have you taken the time to explain the importance of whatever it is that you're wanting them to achieve? Outcome. Has the desired outcome behind the task been explained to the person? Have we taken the time to explain the outcome, what we're looking for? You see, journey is one thing, but destination is really important. Sometimes we're in one and not the other. We're all about the outcome and we're not in the process. Or we forget about the outcome, we're all about process. but We don't know where we're going, but we're all about process. See, God is the God who wrote the end from the beginning. He knows where he's leading his church and we need to know where he's leading us because it's an eternal purpose, not a temporal one. You are called for a heavenly calling, not an earthly calling. What on earth does that look like? That's a great question you'd want to ask the Holy Spirit because in this context, we're to be leading. So if I'm calling us to something, does anyone know the outcome of where we're going? If we don't, we're in trouble. It's called blind leading the blind. I know where I'm taking you. I know exactly where we're going. I've been preaching it. I wrote a book about it. Do you know where we're going? It's a very good question. When we get prophetic words like battleships, where do you see yourself in that? Have you stopped and thought and gone, Hold on a minute. The guy's saying that we are a battleship. Am I a battleship? Am I in the battleship? Do I know my role in the battle? Have you stopped and asked questions of the prophetic future word that the Lord Jesus Christ has spoken here? To you and I. Or was it just some Sunday where that crazy guy Steve McGracken came in? He came in, he left, and he went back to Melbourne, and I don't know what that was. See why you need to ask questions? See, guys, God has been speaking here for eight years now, laying down the future, clearly defining it. We're gonna and we're continuing to define it. Why? Because part of the delegation is explaining where we're going. And that is a process of time, isn't it? Because he said, come follow me, and they didn't know where they were going. And on the journey, it started to get revealed. So are you any more in the loop from where you were five years ago? Is things more clearer to you? You may not have a final destination point. Because once again, that's one thing to see it here. It's another thing to see it here. But as things becoming clearer, or is it more muddy? Is it more mystifying? Is it more cloudy? Going, I haven't got a clue, man. And that's okay. But don't stay there. Because he's come to open the eyes that we would see. It's not a mystery. It's known. God doesn't. Well, he does hide things, <laughs> but it's for us. Okay? So leaders, whatever you're in, share what the desired outcome is. What is the point of laying down your life? I'll tell you, it's to become his wholeheartedly abandoned because he wants to marry you, and you, he wants you to spend your eternity this close to him. Called a marriage covenant between God and the church And the Apostle Paul warns the church that they may be deceived and led astray in their minds from the simplicity and the purity of a devotion to Lord Jesus Christ. Why is he so concerned that you would be led astray, the Corinthians would be led astray? Because you're getting led astray from the purposes of God. You're being led astray into man's version, another gospel, another reality that sounds like Jesus but just isn't. It's a false life that doesn't produce life. So he tells us and he warns us, he says, I am jealous for you. I want to betroth you to one husband, but I'm afraid that you're being led astray. And you know what it looks like today? Overly concentrated in function. Doing things for Jesus. Greg, are you saying there's something wrong with that? No. But where is it all coming from? Who's leading it? Whose identity is it in? Yours or his? Whose power? Whose life? Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it to prove yourself to him because you don't know how worthy you are? So you think I've got to do things for Jesus? You're worthy. See, we were born for a marriage, a promise, not a problem. You're a problem, Mike, and so are you, Chris, because you're scumbag sinners. So come to Jesus and get saved and then go find more scumbags. No, you were created to spend your eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. You were created to be in the most profound love relationship with a person where this person will completely and utterly change you and you will fall in love to such a degree that you will give your life, volunteer your life to just be with him. And out of that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you will love the Father and love the very church, the people of the world that he created for. And through the demonstration of that, people will be drawn to you who don't know him because of the witness that you are and the words that you speak. But it has never been about doing things for Jesus. It's always been about a relationship. Jesus came down to reestablish the covenant that had been broken to reconcile us back into a marriage covenant. And if you get the revelation of what I've just said, I'm telling you right now, you won't have other people in your heart. They will come flying out at the receiving of what I just said. How do I know? It's my testimony. This is such a powerful thing. So we've been speaking this. I've been speaking this. Have you heard it? You've got to hear it, guys. Otherwise, it's just whipping past you like that. Gone, gone. Ears to hear. And that means you've got to seek. What was the song we sang? are you? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Every treasure of wisdom and knowledge is contained in Jesus Christ, the mystery. Every question you have is discovered in knowing the true Jesus Christ. Every question you have, because all Colossians two two, all of The treasures of wisdom and knowledge are contained in the mystery. Who is the mystery? Jesus Christ. On the revelation of Jesus Christ, I will build my people. We've got to hear this, not listen, hear it through the power of revelations. That's what we've got to seek. Seek, ask, knock. Seek, ask, knock. Pray, 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 pray. Ask, seek, knock. Be as persistent as the guy and the woman... Who went before the judge and the guy who wanted bread for his friends that had turned up. Till you get it, it'll radically alter you. So that's the outcome. He's taking us to the end. There's heaps of things that will work out along the way. Authority, six steps of wise delegation. Importance, outcome, authority. Has authority been given to achieve the task? You've got to release people to do. The task you've got to say to people and communicate with other people that this person has been given authority to do the task. Otherwise when they turn up and start to change things or put things in place, everyone gets upset. Who do you think you are coming in here and saying this? I'm a servant that's just been asked to do a task. Well who said so? Oh Greg Sumner said so. Huh. But Greg didn't do his job well so greg didn't communicate and let the people know so how nice is that person that tries to step into something and the first thing they get is opposition because greg simler didn't communicate well so as leaders you've got to give authority to the person and make other people aware of the authority that they have okay resources has the person been given the adequate resources to achieve the task <laughs> We want you to do all this great stuff, but we've got no resources. What are the likelihood of you succeeding? We want you to be the greatest plumber. Craig Rutherford, but you know what? We've got no van. We've got no tools. Uh, yeah, we've got a shirt with our name on it. but So there's got to be resource. You have to resource the people with the resources to be able to do the task. Otherwise, you're asking the impossible. Yeah? Um, timeline. Does the person know the specific timeline for the task to be accomplished? Ah, oh, yeah, get around to it. <laughs> be specific. Works well with kids. In five minutes, I want to see you upstairs. Are you coming upstairs? Yeah, I'll be there in a minute. Minutes, two, three, four. So give timelines. Here's what I'd like you to do. You've been given the ability to do it. Now let's set a time. I want you to come back to me in two weeks, where I'm going to inspect what we inspect what I expect in two weeks. So the person has some sort of time frame. Otherwise, things just linger, don't they? And they linger. Whatever happened oh, I don't know. disappears into the abyss somewhere. Feedback is the person given constructive feedback along the way. This is an area that I need to grow in. Like feedback. Good and bad, bad and good, or constructive. Okay? But you have to make time. It's tough, and time's running out. But you have to try and make time to give feedback. Because Why? Because you want to release the person to act, enable someone to act. So underneath that, leaders understand the need to raise up other leaders. who may in fact supersede them. If my notes are right, it's S-U-P-E-R-S-E-D-E. Okay, there you go. Spell check's wrong. It's the American version. Golly. S-U-P-E-R-C-E-D-E. (laughs) <laughs> that's right leaders understand the need to raise up other leaders who may in fact supersede them in their role of function leaders will always inspect what they expect leaders will always inspect what they expect so that's how you know things get done so you've released some things, you've delegated a task, you've shared the importance, you've shared the outcome, the person has the resources to do it, and so now I need to inspect what I'm expecting. Otherwise it just stays in that thing called the abyss. And so we've got to start all over again. Okay? And that's where it can get a bit sticky, especially if the person hasn't done what you ask. So then you have to look at yourself and go through the process of delegation and tick off the things. Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this well? Oh man, I missed, I never gave them the resources to do it. I never shared the outcome. So if you've done all that, then it's about then speaking to the individual and going through a process. Is that cool? So those are six steps to wise delegation. Once again, that you can use that with kids, you can use that in your relationships, you can use that in sports teams. What's the purpose of playing football? Have you shared the importance of winning? <laughs> That's if you're a PC player. If you're in my team, it's to win. <laughs> we need to know how to lose, but we had to win. No such thing as fun football, man. It's fun after you win. <laughs> How many people have enjoyed losing here? Put your hand up. You enjoyed losing. You're letting me hang it out, eh? Huh? Well, that was fun to lose. We got spanked 16 <laughs> mil. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you, were, you were lied to. Now that, that would be from a non-sports person, wouldn't it? <laughs> All the sports people said, amen. All right. What we're going to do is we're going to finish there, okay? Um, what I do want to let you know is our very own Greg Scully is going to be speaking next month. And so um, part of this is is to bring others on. And uh, Greg is an amazing leader with ASB Bank and has a whole lot of gold, um, and we're meeting up and talking, and so I want him to share some things. So um, we'll get to this other stuff at some point, but next month it's going to be Greg. But what I want to do now is get in groups. Just stay where you are. There's going to be questions handed out just in relation to the first, or sorry, the fourth. Enable others to act. Okay? So nominate someone to ask the questions. There's only two, but you can ask more than what you want.